have done it boys and girls we are here with episode number 100 of the millennial entrepreneur i'm so excited thank you so much honestly for helping me reach this massive milestone personally and professionally it's i can't thank you guys enough it's huge that we've reached this level like episode number 100 i didn't think that we'd get to this stage when i recorded two two and a half like years ago and yeah we've put out episodes every week for the last sort of two years and taking a break for christmas and whatnot but I'm so excited to finally be here, episode number 100. So when I, when I was thinking about who I should get on for this special episode, I thought around, there's a few different you know, guests I was thinking of, and believe me, so many of my guests who like had the lead up between like 90 and 100, <laughs> not to just debate them out, um, they were like, can I be episode 100, can I be episode 100? And the reason why I chose this individual is because the whole ambition of why I started this podcast, like from episode number one, the whole ambition of why I started it was because there weren't any podcasts out there that existed that showcased the talents of young people and they weren't relatable to the young people of today. They showcased entrepreneurship for, you know, like middle-aged white men who made their millions during the early stages of the internet and that wasn't a fair representation of what entrepreneurship is today and it wasn't relatable to people of today, especially for like people like myself where the internet is around. And so I wanted to show relatable stories and also the ambition ultimately was to get people who weren't, you know, didn't feel entrepreneurship was accessible and get this message to them that it's for everyone like whether you're like from different races different genders different sexuality like anything like anyone can get into this game and it can really you know empower who you are and so when i had to think about who would be the best person to get for episode 100 carl came to mind um he has done some amazing things for his community and he really is a pinnacle for you know, trying to get as many black founders into entrepreneurship as possible, given the, the gap that exists at the moment. His ambition was the same as the podcast. And so that's why I really wanted to get him on. And so in this episode, I'm so excited to share with you. I spoke to Carl Loco, the chairman at Black Seed, one of the largest, if not the largest, VC dedicated to empowering black founders. Carl is a former gang leader from Brixton. He's seen friends stabbed, killed, imprisoned, this story of how Carl has harnessed his gang-ridden life experiences and how he turned that into a force for good for black founders in his community and beyond is, is truly inspiring. So in this special 45-minute episode, we covered the story behind how Carl's initiated towards joining the gang and the reason behind why he wants to remain within it and answers whether he misses the authority that came with that and also how he transitioned into Black Seed from the gang environment, and also how he finds some elements of the corporate world more challenging than his gang past. It was a really interesting perspective on entrepreneurship, his journey and everything, because it's so unique. It's, it's not a story that you encounter very often, and how he sort of harnessed that experience within the gang environment and using it today and how he's adapted um, to you know selling <laughs> selling funds and like all these different type of things and empowering black founders is, is you know it's, it's such a cool story and he goes into so much detail that's the amazing thing so you guys will get an amazing perspective on how he's got to where he is this is already a very long episode so i don't want to talk too much but again i just want to thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast to where it is right now episode number 100 i can't wait to record the next 100 but with your help we will get there 
So if you do enjoy this episode and the previous ones, then do please subscribe to the podcast and also rate it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. And yeah, thank you so much again for being on this journey with me. And I hope you enjoy this special episode 100. Carl, welcome to the episode number 100 of the podcast. I'm so proud. We're back. Where are we right now? Tell tell everyone where we're at. We're actually in BRXTM Village Studios. There's the logos kind of like screaming in the background. But yeah, I mean, um, these are um, my recording studios in Brixton, essentially. You know, that I take lead on. And yeah, I mean, it's a creative space in general. But we actually have um, down the hall... Um, a lounge that we're bubbling over as actually HQ for Black Seed. So all of mm. our events have been taking place in there. Yeah, so it's very cool. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll do a bit more recording, like in some of these spaces in the future. Like it's a very cool area. I know you're very like connected with Brixton as yeah, well. I love it here. Absolutely, it's home. When did the, I guess the love start for Brixton? Oh, I mean, there was a little while ago. I actually had a picture on. Um, it was Instagram. And the caption said, from about the age of five, I acknowledged I was a Brixton boy. But it was just about five years ago, I acknowledged I was British, you know. And it was always Brixton before Britain. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was the community that was familiar, you know, not just for the fact my family's here, but for the fact that um, the cultures, the smells, the textures are also familiar, you know. And yeah, I mean... It's informed a lot about me, for sure. I am a complete and utter Brixton boy. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is shaped? Like, what's so good about it? Or, like, what's so, I guess, informative from this area of London that's just it's shaped you so much? You know what? Um, Brixton has an energy. It yeah. has an energy. It's always, it's, it's one of the places in London that tends to not sleep. It's been the case for a little while, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as I can remember, anyway. It's got a strong sense of community, especially um, the Afro-Caribbean deposit, you know, was essential towards that. Essential. Very Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, so the Afro-Caribbean um, deposit, that was essential towards this overall feeling of community. Um, it's vibrant, you know. It's always had, like, a little risk element to it, too. I always kind of felt as if it was bigger than us, essentially. So when I'm saying like, I always felt like Brixton was something you belong to. Mm. It doesn't like it doesn't belong to you. Yeah. I always felt like it was bigger than us, you know. And then as time has gone on, I've I've realized Brixton actually is a global brand. Brixton has crossed seas, you know. Um, it's translated into songs. It's actually been a host to some very iconic moments in very recent um British history you know, black British history as well. It's been quite defiant, you know, in terms of the um the riots, um, not the most recent, but like the um the nineteen eighties riots. Yeah. Um it's been quite a defiant member, you know, in, in the city. So Yeah man, I'm Brixton's home. Yeah, I mean as well, like you are so involved in the community. Like the thing that really resonates for me, I, the first time we spoke was that you're you're trying to make Brixton the Silicon Valley of the UK? Yeah. The, where, where, the why? Black tech. Black tech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, Brixton has huge Afro-Caribbean ley lines. Mm. Huge. There is a, 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 a true, authentic black contribution to the area, you know, and it's foundational. 
it's what everything else has been built upon mm. you know and that being said um what better place to kind of put out a beacon to the world a bat signal to say that you know what there are competent yeah um, black entrepreneurs mm. black tech founders you know um so yeah no brixton is as good a place as any actually mm. yeah but obviously like before before you got into this there was like I want to go into the, the area of your life where it was more like you were involved in gangs and things like that. Mm. And I think that that's the reason why I really wanted to have you as part of like episode number 100 because I haven't heard a story like that before. Mm. And it really resonates with me because it's just so like, I guess, different and inspiring. But when we, when we spoke for the first time, I could see similarities between the two. Like, I guess, first question before we jump into that, how did you get involved with, with gangs in the first place because you, you, yeah you talk about the bricks and having that community element to it is that kind of where it came from i guess i subscribed at about 12 years old yeah and there's a lot of things that nudged me in that direction you know there was um happenings in the area and quite yeah. frequent happenings you know what do you um, mean by what happened what is that i mean like for me it's quite textbook and for a lot of other people growing yeah, up in yeah, parts yeah. of london and the country They'll be familiar with it, but I mean, like, um, gang activity, um, criminality, um, set the selling of drugs, the using of drugs, you know, um, violence, youth violence, gun mm. violence, um, yeah, that was quite a regular occurrence in 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 the community actually. Yeah, mm. that was happening a lot. So it's almost like a, see, so like, oh, so then what's there to love about it? But it's like I think it had the dimensions of a person actually you know it had it had its good it had its bad mm. and even its good i mean even its bad was almost kind of like imposed upon it by just the reality of like disenfranchisement um yeah so it had, it's, it's had its troubles but yeah no definitely a lot of happenings and that's what provoked me mainly for wanting to be immune and yeah. give immunity to my family also that's really that's really like profound. So you, I guess what what was the the tipping point? What actually pushed you into getting involved in that? I mean, yeah, I, the first time I witnessed someone being shot, I was twelve years old, and um, the shooter after discharging the firearm into the vehicle actually ran back to where me and my friends were playing a um a game of goal to goal, where we literally just take our jumpers and makeshift um goalposts mm. um, and literally. He ran past us, took a brick from the wall, um, put the fire on the brick back, and then told me to pass him the ball. You know, so obviously... So he gets involved in the game. He gets involved yeah, yeah, in the yeah. game, literally. So I passed him the ball, and um, we were having a bit of a kick around, obviously terrified, because we've just seen what he's done. And I hadn't even seen a gun before in real life. Yeah. Not even a policeman had I seen with a gun at that time. You know, to then see him not only with the gun, but discharge it. Yeah. Not only discharge it, looked like he had hit the person. And then literally came back to where me and my friends are and he's playing a game of footy with us. And he actually stayed there till the police came and went. You know, and um, when they left, he literally just spotted us all, kind of gave us a fist pump, and then just went about his business. And I just remember looking, I was, I was obviously very scared. All, yeah. all were, but also I was in awe. You know, just his ability to just be so brazen, you know. And I was like, wow. So at that period, at that moment, sorry, 
I kind of made the decision that I'd rather be an influencer in this environment, you know, um, someone that has some power in this environment mm. rather than the powerless and the one being influenced. That's really interesting. So did you ever meet that person again? Yeah, absolutely. I actually ended up joining his gang. How'd that happen? Um, I mean, <laughs> how did that happen? That's, <laughs> I mean, with lots of happenings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy to think. Yeah. So we actually ended up like, taking um their place because even though um like, he, he didn't move on his own, he was a part of a, a group, you know? Mm. And that group in one operation ended up, a lot of them ended up being incarcerated. So then we literally f- ended up filling that vacuum. Mm. So um, we basically stood in those shoes, you know? So what was, what was the core motivation for you at that point? Was it just, if I can't change things from the outside, I might as well be on the inside? Yes and no. So um, definitely at least feeling like I had agency was very important for me. But beyond that, it was around, like, as I said, like the fear element, the I'm wanting to be immune, you know. I was being mugged repeatedly prior to that, mm. you know, and um, that all stopped once I, like, I got involved. Yeah. You know, my mother's car stopped getting broken into. You know, my brother, who was four years older than me, he also stopped getting mugged. Even as my senior like brother, like yeah. my older brother, sorry, I was able to provide him immunity. You know, um, I no longer had the anxiety I had day to day, like just going to the corner shop. I no mm. longer had to hide the change my mother had given me to go and add a tomato puree in my socks. Yeah. You know, I could put it in my pocket, you mm. know. So um, it was for that, for my own self-esteem. But then also um, the gangs provide, like they deal with a lot of the, like, the overall human needs in terms of like bringing um identity i was able to identify with them um and contribution felt like it was contribution contributing and actually moving something along you know it almost felt quite dutiful you know it felt like duty it almost felt like a purpose you know so um in terms of what it was given yeah that for me I, i was never really motivated by the money yeah you know it wasn't because of the ability to get like ill-gotten gains you know mm. that's that's not what pulled me or more it was the me. purpose it was the purpose for sure that sense of purpose as well runs thick in what you're doing now i think that's a obviously a key, key motivator from that that part of your life all the way till now yeah and uh, they're just in different ways so i think like people listening obviously like being in a gang is very different to running like a, a, a fund like yeah <laughs> like um... I mean, well, I well, could what, beg what, to differ. What are the differences? What are the similarities? Um, differences is um, the overall barriers to entry. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, a fund approaching becoming, let's say, a GP of a fund or founder of a yeah. fund is quite sophisticated, you know, mm. in, like, there's so many nuances that disqualify the majority of planet earth actually you know for one there's no vacancies for it it's not like you're gonna go and apply for this job oh you yeah know? yeah it's yeah. like for a lot one, of my friends are the hardest. you know yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like all right cool so that's a huge disqualifier in itself or excluder sorry it's true um 
depending on how you want to look at it, then you might have to, like, if you are raising millions, that means you have to have some access to gatekeepers of millions and billions, essentially. Exactly. So, I mean, in terms of a network, you know, not everyone has that sort of network. Yeah. You know, and then you might have had to maybe of have some what I call authenticators that will build conviction in them. Maybe you're a cashed out entrepreneur, mm. you know, yourself and or you've done twenty years in finance, you know, or you know, there's this and then if when you do start raising, it could take you two to three years to raise the fund, you know, and ultimately like you're not paid until you've raised the fund. Yeah. But yet raising a fund is a full time job in terms yeah. of time and energy. You know, maybe even beyond that. Yeah. You know, so it's a very small group. So in terms of the barriers to entry, I mean, it differs a lot here. Mm. You know, um, over in on, on the streets, essentially, um, if you've got the wheelhouse, it's meritocracy on some level. You know, um, like you get what you put in, you know, and like everyone can play. You would, you say, would you say, I guess, playing in a gang is more fair so meritocracy, mm-hmm. more fair than like VC, for instance. Yeah, completely. Wow. Completely. Night and day. Night and day. <laughs> That's a clip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, though, because people are like, yeah, the, the world we live in is very met- meritocratic. Yeah. Um, Which is nonsense. Come on, we all know that. Let's not, that, let, we, we don't need to do that. There's, there's no such thing as meritocracy outside. It doesn't actually exist. Mm. it's just it's not there it is like it is the utopia we strive for you know um will we ever get to a point where it exists like we would all hope so or maybe many don't hope so depending on what side of the fence you sit you know but i mean yeah no it doesn't exist no way it's like did you think when you because when you were in the gang environment and then you, you transitioned over to this yeah did you have that sort of utopia like sense in your mind where it's like, okay, now that I've left the gang, I'm entering an environment which would be better. Like you're more hopeful, but then you're, you're met with these sort of like barriers of, hang on, this is less meritocratic than, than the gang environment. Like you're, be- yeah. you're, be- you're met with challenges that you might not have thought existed in the first place. I drew my hope, if I'm speaking frankly, purely from the intangible. There was nothing tangible I could draw hope from. Like, I mean, let me... What was the intangible? The intangible was my faith. Like, I literally had to believe in what I had no evidence for. Yeah. You know? Um, The reality that was presented and the truth we had all come to know and Mm. the situation meant that there was huge barriers and things that would continue to exclude me. Mm. You know, those of which... I inherited and those of which I induced to myself upon my, you know, I, I had this compounded disadvantage. Yeah. You know, um, some self-affected, obviously. Um, but the majority not, actually. You know, um, just by the lottery of birth. You know, so, I mean, that being said, um, and especially with the ambitions I had in my heart, you know, I was like, yeah, these things don't match. You mm. know, so I literally had to take a leap of faith. You know, many leaps of faith. Yeah. Yeah, we just haven't stopped leaping. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. What was, the, I guess, the craziest thing that you experienced within the gang and that really made you want to leave? There was no Big Bang moment for no? me. No? Nah, no, no Big Bang. Um, 
a lot of small bangs. Um, I guess what was the craziest thing then? If if nothing really, I got there honest. wasn't a tipping point. When you're fully engrossed in um the streets, yeah, there is you're inundated with um happenings. Like I mean, you become partially desensitized. Mm to a lot of what people might, you know, um, I don't know, like, find shocking. Yeah. It's extremely normal, you know, um, to the point where, like, if one of my dear friends was picked by the police today and sentenced to five years in prison and you would ask me, oh, where is so-and-so? Yeah. I'd say, oh, he's inside. Like, it's like, he's in this, like... You know, like it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's so, it's certain things are so soft. It's like, oh, someone, um, like had just lost their life due to, um, being attacked in such a, like, gruesome way. You know, maybe, um, they received several knife, um, wounds to the torso, whatever it was. And then you'd be like, oh, so and so got turned off. Like, you just, you know, it's just turned like it's true, like a light yeah, switch. Yeah, yeah. You switch. know, it's like, it's just, and you just become quite numb. Mm. So, like, I mean, things were happening. Like, most I've known about maybe 20 people that um have died due to knife and gun crime, you know, um that I grew up with in the area. You know, um one young man that actually lived with me at my mother's house yeah. for a period because his um home situation was quite unstable he was murdered you know um i mean yeah a lot of things happened but none no big bang yeah it's just more building up that kind of conviction that this is not actually winning you know because i joined the gangs initially so i could win yeah i want to win some some immunity i want to win some x some y some z Mm. you know and for a long time we were all pursuing it because this was our definition of winning yeah, you know, but um, it became quite apparent that this is actually losing, and I don't like to lose. So, but you had you had that authority figure. You were the the leader there. Like yeah. you had that that respect. You had that purpose that you were striving for. Do you miss it? It's probably not a question you get asked that that often. Yeah, there's elements you you have. I, mean, I don't you must, think I you miss, miss it. I don't miss it. So I miss what enabled, what it provided, you know, um, what it presented. But I, I, I don't miss it. Like, for, it was just a vehicle. It was a means to an end. Yeah. You know, like, so, um, the it, no. But in terms of the overall kind of, like, I'm, I'm someone that needs to be quite stimulated by adventure. Hence why it actually translated to me actually do, becoming an, an adventurer. You know, like, yeah. I, I do need, like, that, that stimulus, you know. And it provided that. There was yeah. challenges every single day. You know, I I wake up and you have no clue how the day could end. I mean, there's like an infinite amount of possibilities. And that is so true with everyone else also. However, um, you see how much things pivot in that mm. environment, you know, and quite aggressively, you know. So, I mean, it provided that. It provided the camaraderie. You know, I always like to live in a way where I have something I'm willing to die for. Mm. you know like um that does invigorate life 
to, yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, the overall kind of like the shortcomings of it, and obviously the dark side of it. No, nah, I don't miss any of that. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about taking those leaps of faith, like people, I guess people people take leaps of faith all the time. Risks in their careers, risks in I guess what what they might move country, stuff yeah. like that. There's there were when you left the gang, there were so many things stacked against you. Yeah, like. I guess the education that you you didn't have. Yeah. I guess the 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 positive environment of being in a gang, you can't really disclose that to to employers. Like, it's not just a leap of faith. It's yeah. it's a leap of faith with like the chances are just not there. There's not there's there. there's no. no there's no rock for you to land on. No. no. So what like what As was said, the the next step? Like how did you take that leap of faith and and land? Again, it was although contrary to the hope, the reality presented you know, me drawing hope from the intangible. I need to emphasize that because um, sometimes our country, our society, our nation, you know, might want to take credit for certain um, individuals like myself because I'm a part of a group I refer to as the Hidden Alumni, you mm. know, which we've spoken on. Um, but that being said, um, these leaps is not provoked by what is provided or um, because... Obviously, there is such um, barriers, you know, so it doesn't, like, provoke. It's not inspiring, mm. you know, so you have to draw your inspiration from elsewhere. You know, that being said, like, my one was even, at one point, quite explicitly Bible narratives. It was stories. It was the fact that um, a shepherd could throw a stone at a giant, mm. you know, and I was like, all right, cool. So, I mean, I got similar compound disadvantage stacked against me. I'm going against Goliath. Yeah, you know, yeah. I want to have social mobility. You know, I want to be in a situation where I'm able to employ others. And I mean, I'm starting as a shepherd boy and here is Goliath, you know, um, all the systemic barriers, you know. So, I mean, I had to believe that even by not being armed with like even genuine weaponry, yeah, you know, yeah. just a stone, you know, I could pull this off. So it was really about daring, you know, and I had to, I had to pull some stunts, you know, I have made, I've done massive action, you know, it's not just like, and a lot, a lot of them have missed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, a yeah. lot has missed, you know, um, I've said a lot, a lot has landed on deaf ears. I mean, I've, presented a lot a lot have like developed the conviction for mm. it you know so it was by like shooting my shot a million times you know and i just got one in the basket essentially but it was a slugger did someone take a chance on you um yeah many people have taken chances. well who's who's like the first one like when did that happen who was the first one i would want to say actually like um <laughs> i've had a bit of a peculiar peculiar things have happened in my journey i i on this journey you know so, I mean, um, I had the lead, I won't say at what period, but I had the leader of the um, Conservative Party actually come to meet with me some years back. Or actually say how many years back, otherwise you'd be able to yeah, yeah, um, work out who it is. But um, this person was pretty early in my overall kind of like um, commute, social commute, let's put it that way. Um, and they actually came to meet with me in Brixton, on my estate, without a security detail, mm. and walked with me, like literally around Brixton, 
with like at a time where it was like just early evening like about maybe 6 p.m it was winter so it was quite dark mm. um and literally they just had on a bit of a hoodie and so did i you know go figure and then we literally just walked around talking about the realities of what it is to grow up in such an area you know and yeah, how certain yeah. things presented so i mean i him even coming down to meet with me and have that conversation in my environment was quite peculiar and for me saying someone taking a chance you know so it was in that way and that wasn't even explicitly due to um mm. connected to maybe business yeah you know yeah. but i've had um certain um mentors um that have literally like made it their kind of like duty on some level to check in with me very regularly mm. and to also open up to me like 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 open books essentially and have shared with me you know not just the glamour and the glitter but also you know the realities you know yeah, yeah. and um i mean i've been inundated with people that have i actually at one point i actually had someone that um gave me a patronage actually like they genuinely believed in what i was um building and creating and they were just like what would it take for you to be able to do this full time for a little mm. while you know and it's like it depends how long that while is and then i can calculate and let you know i calculated it told them and they were like yeah i'll support that i, I endorse that yeah you know? and it wasn't down to no equity in me it was purely like they felt like they wanted to do that you know um so i've had many kind of things along the like i didn't get here on my own mm. at all yeah are there things that you're doing now and also in the lead up to what you're doing now mm. Like I'm trying to compare your your environment when you were in a gang to now. Yeah, and there must be things now that are harder than than where you were before. Yeah, I mean people are a lot more crooked here. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, like, um, it's a lot more. I think it's a lot more cutthroat here than it is the streets. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah, I mean, I have this very short poem I wrote, um, about maybe, uh, maybe six seven years ago. And it goes, on the streets, they shot me with a gun and stabbed me with a knife. But then I left the streets and entered the boardroom. And they shot me with a knife and stabbed me with a gun. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, one would be a lot more pain if it was a possibility. You mm. know, and that was the latter that I was getting to. I was like, it's a lot more implicit and maybe quite awkward but it is hostile you know like i've only after you know hitting certain milestones you know whether that be um network or resources or you know whatever it be yeah i've been able to express more of myself and more of my authentic self you know um on my initial like social commute i had to put the previous me in a blender. Mm. So it was pure enough for it to be taken on. You know, I mean, it was, and that, on some level, cold switching, but disfiguring, you know, and conducting is, is quite painful, you know, and for it to still, in many cases, not be sufficient, you know, is even more painful, you know, so... Yeah, I, I reckon I sustained equal equal levels of trauma from the streets and from the mid-street. They're very different. Very different. 
in very mm. different ways. Maybe because you just weren't used to that sort of like business environment, and there's not really. I mean, business happens every day. Business is people. It's true. It's you true. know, it's so true. like, um, I was very used to people. Mm. You know, it was more, um, those people weren't used to me. You know, I was always the alien. You know, in the room. Yeah. You know, whether that be my socioeconomic situation, narrative. You know, um. They didn't understand, like, even subtle things. Like, I had to train myself to look um, adults at that time there, or those older than me, um, in the eye. Like, I f- used to perceive it as being quite disrespectful due to mm. um, the my West African culture. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that you, you didn't do too much gazing with elders. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they were interpreting my lack of um, eye contact as a, a lack of confidence. Mm. You know, they were understanding it was more me just giving them respect. Mm. You know, so I had to go. I mean, really subtle nuances that I had. I had to tweak. I had yeah, to completely yeah. configure, and they obviously weren't aware of that language. So I am the one that had to become bilingual. You know, it's not like they then learned my language. Mm. I had to learn theirs as well. When you go into the board now, yeah. are you yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Or are you... I'm like Carl Loco 3.0 now. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's still 1.0 and 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So you basically like develop yourself kind of to adapt to that sort of situation. But you say yeah. like now, now that is you. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you do it enough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's completely. true. Yeah. So I guess let's, let's move on to Black Seed to, to wrap up the podcast. Yeah. What is he trying to do to achieve with Black Seed? Yeah. I mean, a conviction catalogue. It's that purpose again. Yeah, it's a conviction catalogue. So um, Black Seed is the vehicle that will realise and accumulate this conviction catalogue that the other shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah. Um, more explicitly um, with Black Seed, that um, the black entrepreneurial community shouldn't be underestimated. Mm. Because underrepresented just means underrepresent, um, underestimated. And mm. we aren't represented in the current startup ecosystem. You know, and that is due to exclusion. Mm. You know, there's no like pipeline issue. It is purely, there is no brokering, you know, there is no embracing, Yeah. you know, <laughs> like, so literally like Black Seed exists to create these generational companies that are black led, these um, unicorns that are black led, you know, um, so that the conviction catalog builds so that they are aware that there's not one group i.e. white males mm-hmm. that hold the monopoly on ability, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is literally what what we're doing. Mm. Yeah. And, like, I guess, what's it been like since you started? Because you started, how, how long has it been since you started? I mean, this has been a long coming. It's like, I think I started this before, like, I even entered the industry, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah. Because I was always campaigning for more fairer, more um, 
inclusive business ecosystem. Mm. You know, that was always that was always the rhetoric. That was always um the verbiage. That was what I was going and speaking at these C suites. And I did that all around the world. You know, I was literally saying that there is like pools of talent that's just not being tapped into. Yeah. You know, there's deep reservoirs, you know, waiting, you know, <laughs> just plug in. Mm. You know, um that being said, this I, I was seeing that they weren't picking it up quick enough and change weren't happening quick enough. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I feel like I was always looking for the right vehicle to move the needle along, you know. So, I mean, the research actually started then, you know, and then also me building my conviction for the other. You know, I was seeing um, so many capable, um, s- such talent, mm-hmm. you know, coming from the other box, you know, and I've always kept my eye on that over the years. And I'm like, look, they're excelling, like... Mm. Two of them might be tier one, but one had to climb the north face while the other one climbed the other side of the mountain. So even though they're both at the summit, like the other literally is more scrappy. Yeah. Develop muscles that, that most people don't even know exist, mm. you know? So I had been seeing that. So now I'm so persuaded about the resilience and the, mm. the bandwidth of the black founder. Yeah. Because I just know that they've had to scrap it out in ways that, you know, I mean, yeah. it's unequivocal probably to their, their peers, essentially, you know. So, I mean, to say when it started, it started a very long time ago, but in terms of, like, um, actively raising the fund, um, it's been about 14 months, actually. Because you as well, so you highlighted something, when it comes to, because essentially you're changing the narrative when it comes to raising funds as a black founder. Yeah. But of course you still have to raise funding from the people in charge. Absolutely. Right? And I'm so, still black. Yeah. And <laughs> you're still, you're still you, you're still yeah. like everything that we mentioned before. So they're still the gatekeepers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the challenges there? I mean, it's huge, my man. I mean, the, I, I feel the statistic. Yeah. I mean, I can feel the data as we're pushing. Yeah. I can literally feel the weight of the data. The fact that 0.24% of venture capital in the U venture capital funding in the UK went towards black founders in the last decade. I can feel that. I feel the zero. Like I can feel the fact that 0.024% went towards black women. I feel that it is that data point that's crazy it's low more, number. It's a crazy man, low number. It's crazy. It's yeah. more likely for a black founder to contract skin cancer than to get venture capital funding. Mm. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. And I feel that as we're pitching. Like, I mean, I've said quite clearly that, and I've, I, I don't hide, I don't hide this truth. My acquired nepotism, so I might not have inherited mine, mm. but I do have some level of nepotism. You've got an in, insane network, you know, which um, most people aren't fortunate enough to have. I feel like the veritable lottery ticket winner yeah. You know, and um, even with that, even with the warmest of introductions, even with such clarity of vision, even with such a proposition and a, and a, a base to do it from in terms of like Brixton and my affinity with the area and also the work I have and me taking lead on a um, 20 story building that's coming soon and all the rest of it. And like being able to house this vision in that. I mean, with drawing in some world class partners. Like, I mean, world-class, yeah? yeah, to support. And even so, 
it's been a slugger. And it's always hard to raise money. But I mean, this has been even harder yeah. than the hard. You know? So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. You know what? Like, I don't know if this data is true at all. I'm just like, I guess, stipulating. Mm. Given that we're in a, a market right now where the... Um, I guess the market's not great when it comes to raising money. Like a lot of assets are down across, across like all assets really. Yeah. Would you say when it comes to fundraising as a black founder, the conditions are even harder given the market or is it kind of across the board? Everyone feels the same because there's something that you mentioned before when we, when we last spoke about how they might see this, they might see, you know, giving money to black founders as a bit of a charity case yeah, or a bit of a sort of, a quota of like, yeah, we just like something that looks good on their, on their annual reports. It's cosmetic. Yeah. To, to some so, it's cosmetic. So That's essentially right. like, what is that? That's, that's charity. Yeah. It's not actually for like, they perceive value. Yeah. So would you say given the current market conditions, then I don't know, like, have you seen it go even worse? Again, I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Do you know what? I am not the best case for it because I am a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. You know, um, in how I'm situated, you know? So even on the street level, I realized quite early on that depending on your tentacles, you can um, ascertain certain things, even during a drought, hmm. you know? Yeah, that's when the network so comes this, even more in this, handy. This is yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so because I am, I am the veritable lottery ticket winner, you know, I have warm intros to almost anybody on earth, yeah. you know? And that being said, um, in this season, I am not experiencing it the same way, but that can't be said for all black founders or those that are black and raising capital. Mm. You know, I mean, for sure, it's going to be even harder. Absolutely. And even for myself, I mean, it's definitely not going to go without, you know, some level of, you know, um, friction. Yeah. You know? So, but yeah, no, it's definitely, it's always going to be harder for the black founder. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Until the automatic consumptions and the unconscious biases are ironed out completely. Mm. And we've got a, a few more centuries until that's a reality. Mm. Yeah. What's next for Black Seed? What's next? Fun too. <laughs> I mean, fun too, for sure. So, I mean, 1% of venture capital funding goes towards Black founders globally. Yeah. You know, so this is a global issue, a global problem, and we want to be on a, a global solution. You know, so, um, yeah, fun number two. That's next. And what's next for you individually? For me, um, I don't think there is a next for now. I kind of see this being, you know, I, my, I'm, I'm committed to creating that conviction mm. catalogue. You know, I, I can't wait to showcase, yeah. <laughs> you know, these companies to the world they're going to showcase themselves just by the results in the yeah, returns yeah, yeah. you know and um what they provide you know the solutions they offer you know but i mean yeah that's what i'm committed to right now i just want to be able to support in that mm. is that the, is that the point where you can stand back and be like yeah yeah i made it absolutely absolutely now they can't underestimate yeah the black entrepreneur because essentially like there's an intersectionality in life that there are many underrepresented. So there are many being underestimated, mm. you know, and it comes in different shapes and sizes, you know? Um, but that being said, if you underestimated one and they've performed, 
you know, you're going to think twice before you underestimate the other. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's even on some level um, implicitly, like, bigger than the black community itself, you know, but I mean, yeah, no, definitely. That's what I'm looking forward to the most, for sure. Nice kind one. Of sticking it to the man. You know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely with you there, for sure. That's basically what we're trying to do with the podcast, to be, to be yeah. fair. Like, all that data that you said, it's definitely not true for what we're doing. So there definitely isn't a pipeline issue. Yeah. Like, they exist. Yeah. They're out there. They're, they're extremely talented Completely. at what they're doing. Completely. Yeah, we're going to wrap up the podcast there. Carl, thank you so much for being episode number 100. Oh, it's been no, it's such a honor. pleasure. It's an honor. You're very welcome. It's, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's been surreal sort of getting to the stage. And I think this is an amazing way to, to tip it up because this is kind of all this podcast is about. It's about showcasing entrepreneurs from all different like walks of life mm. and that's something that you want to change in yeah. this world yeah um and yeah we've got the same mission which is why i thought this is the best way to to top it off yeah so yeah here's the next 100 podcast episodes next 100. so thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. I told you it was a very special one. Every time I listen to Carl speak and speak to him, like I go away feeling incredibly inspired. And I hope you guys have done, have gone through that experience as well with him. If you enjoyed this episode, special number 100, then please do subscribe, uh, rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen. Message me, like message me on Instagram. Tell me what you thought about the podcast. Tell me what you thought about all the podcasts that led up to this episode 100. And with that, I'm going to sign off and we're going to get to episode number 200 very soon as well. So with your support, we can get there. Thank you so much again for being on this journey with me and I'll catch you very soon.